Hallelujah. I feel like the Spirit of God is speaking to all of us and is touching all of us. So I'm not going to speak for long, but we're going to just continue. Yeah. How many of us were here for this morning service? Okay, most of us were not here. Please try and listen to it. Reverend taught us. In fact, Reverend asked us a question. And the question is, are you in love with Delilah? <laughs> but I feel that if you are not here first service, we can ask you the question again, isn't it? Yeah, so ask the person by you. Delilah is not a lady. Delilah is a character and a type of personality. So it's not for girls or it's not for boys. So you can ask the person by you. It's a question. Are you in love with Delilah? Then the second question is that, are you Delilah? <laughs> because do you know that it's only in the house of God that we are always binding our enemies, isn't it? And we are always asking God, you know, to take away evil people. But I, I feel that if all of us are binding, where are these evil people? <laughs> and who are these people who need to? It's a question, it's a question. But <laughs> Yeah. So I just wanted to continue. You know, Pastor Sam was saying that yesterday was a very amazing time because I feel that as a church we have really matured because the level of questions that were being asked showed us that we have moved into maturity. Amen. Because the questions were very real. You know, some people asked the questions, but some people were thinking about a question but couldn't ask it. And some asked for all of us. And... Um, it's good that it was recorded so you can also listen to it. And um, I just feel that if you are not yet married, if you are in a relationship, you're about to get married, or you hope that your relationship will end in marriage, or even if you are not in a relationship but you know that at some point you're going to get married, I believe that when they are having marriage seminars, go because it will help you avoid mistakes that married people are trying to correct <laughs> or, or, or issues that they are dealing with. It will help you to overcome them and it will help you to make sure that you will not start your marriage that way. Yeah. How many of you know that it is better to prevent a disease than to try and... Isn't it? Yeah. You can ask those that were told, stop eating fat, stop eating, and they didn't stop. And now uh, they have to continually, you know, yeah. So I want to encourage you. If you are single, if there's a discussion, whatever, on marriage. Listen to it. It will come in handy one day. You know, one of the ways my mother used to address us when we are really bothering her, she used to say that when you have children, you will see. <laughs> you know, your children will show you what you are showing me. So, it is a really good thing. So, this morning... Um, I wanted to just talk a little bit on a couple of things, give us a few tidbits that I believe that will not just help us in our marriages or our relationships, but it will just help us and govern us to, you know, relate well and to get the best out of the relationships we have and to enter. Because whether, you see, be very careful when you feel like you know everything about relationships or you know everything about marriage, you're putting yourself in a very dangerous place. Or when you get yourself to a place where you think that I'm not interested because you are, you are about to destroy yourself. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Because there is always something to learn or there's always something you can do better. Amen. Yeah, one of the things we are going to discover is that marriage is governed by principles, not miracles. Amen. Yeah, so this morning I'm going to try and give us a bit of um, tidbits on marriage and our relationship. And um, yesterday, Reverend sort of gave us the four legs on which marriage stands. But let's read a good passage of scripture, Genesis chapter 2. And then we'll read another good, because this morning I want to teach us on something. Somebody say, Pastor Gloria, teach us. Yeah, yeah, I want to, I want to teach us on something this morning, this afternoon. Genesis chapter 2. I read Genesis chapter 2 first. 18 to 28. The Bible says that, Then the Lord God said, 
I'm reading from the NLT. It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he will call them. You know, this is the model marriage passage. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sea, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But still, there was no helper just right for him. Have you cooked that you realize that the pepper is just right, the salt is just right? Isn't it? Have you also cooked that you realize that the salt cannot be redeemed any further? <laughs> so the Lord God caused the man... See, when you do that, you have to just let those eating know that as for you, you like a lot of salt. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her head to the man. Verse 22 gives us the first model that is one man, one woman. Amen. It says that then the Lord God made a woman. He didn't make women for the man. He made a woman. One, 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 one. Yeah, you don't have two and a half, you don't have three, you don't have four, you don't have five. From the beginning, God made one, one. One man, tell somebody about you, one man, one woman. Yeah. <laughs> And he brought her to the man. <laughs> At last, the man exclaimed. When they made the cows and they made the bears, the man didn't exclaim. At last, the man exclaimed, This one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman. Whoa. Because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked but felt no shame. Genesis 1, 26, the Bible says in verse Verse 26 to 28, Genesis 1. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created him, created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue the earth and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. Here ends the reading of his holy word. Thanks be to God. Amen. So the basic model of a marriage is that one man finds one woman. Isn't it? You don't find a woman. You don't find a girlfriend. You don't find... You get it? Yes. Yeah. So those people who give those kind of advice that you can't always eat peanut soup. Sometimes you have to have palm soup. Sometimes you have to have, you know, all kinds of things. Yeah. And then he says that, and they shall leave their father and mother and join to his wife. Which means that marriage cannot go well when you have the mind of singleness. Amen. Yeah, that is why the theme yesterday was coupled for life because when you go into marriage, you have to leave that mindset and take on a new one because when you marry, you live physically, you live financially, and you live external influences and you leave even friends in a certain level because 
what it is is that all of us, before we get into marriage, we have our support system. Do you understand what I'm saying? We have our friends that, you know, who encourage us. We have our friends that we go out with. We have our friends that we discuss our issues. We have family. We have our parents who give us counsel. We have our parents who guide us and all that. But the scripture teaches us that for you to have a healthy marriage, it means that you have to move on from there. It doesn't mean that you discard them, but it now means that the two people will choose which advice they take. Do, do you understand? So a husband can be taking advice from somewhere and a wife taking advice from somewhere. You, you get it? And um, especially those who have this theory of my best friend is a lady or my first friend is a guy. Do, do, your relationship with the opposite sex when you marry must change. I don't care whether you feel that you have great self-control or not. Do you understand? If you want your marriage to be safe, your relationship with the opposite sex must change. It must change. It must change. The person you talk to all the time cannot be somebody of the opposite sex. When your spouse is there. Yesterday... Victoria, oh, let's put our hands together for all the organizers and MCs from yesterday. I mean, they, they taught us things we never knew of. That's why we'll be having another one towards the end of the year. Yeah, Victoria told us that, you know, there are married couples who save their spouse's name on their phone, underscore. <laughs> they don't even give them a letter. They give them underscore. Yeah, they don't even give them a hyphen because underscore, you have to press shift, you know, and go, I mean, it's way, yeah. And then you can't have, you see, because the Bible says that there are some things that appear evil. It doesn't mean they are evil. Do, do you understand? Yeah. So when your best friend is somebody of the opposite sex and your WhatsApp message to them has three hearts, four hearts, 100%, you know, whatever, it comes across in a certain way. So you have to make sure that your relationship with people outside of your marriage is a healthy one. One of the things I learned very on as a young wife is that anybody who doesn't like my husband doesn't like me. You can't be a married man, a married woman, and your friends don't like your wife or your husband. Anybody who doesn't like your wife doesn't like you. And if you can't like my husband, you can't like my wife. How can you like me? Do, 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 do you understand what I say? Yeah, yeah. So you can't say you are keeping this friend away from your wife because they don't get along. They don't get, because remember that you chose your wife. So it could be that it's your wife who's really some way, but that's your choice. So you have to defend <laughs> You know, in verse, two, in verse 18, and also verse 21, when the Lord said that you needed a suitable helper, a suitable, one, another model of marriage is the fact that you need fellowship and companionship. Amen. Because all the animals were there, but they were not good company for Adam, isn't it? They were not good company for the man. So God made this relationship so that you will have a companion. And when it talks about a companion, it means that somebody that you can talk to, somebody to share with, somebody to laugh with, somebody to cry with. I always say that be, watch and assess the friends you have around you. If you have a friend that the only kind of communication you have with them is when they say joke. When they, then you know that that's not a serious friend. Do, do, do you understand? It's like for them, you go to them when you have to laugh. Do you understand? Or when you get one of the memes that is like, oh, this one, this person would like it. You know, all the things. That is not a serious friend. And for you to have a healthy marriage, your conversations must go across the board. Do you understand? So you can talk about funny things, have jokes, whatever, and you can also talk about serious things. Some people don't value their spouse. They think that maybe their spouse is too dense. Do you understand? It's not smart enough to understand this level of discussion. So for important things, they have people they go to. Because, but it's not so. You'll be surprised that your wife or your husband 
will be able to give you good advice than you even expect them to. Do you understand? And the more you trust their counsel, the more you will get out of them. Amen. And then he said they were naked and were not ashamed. So Reverend taught us yesterday about nakedness being openness, you know. Tell somebody, no surprises, please. Those of us who are in relationship, you should tell the person before you marry, tell the person, no surprises, no surprises. Yeah, you don't want to be walking down the aisle, then somebody will be screaming, coming down the aisle. <laughs> pastor, stop, pastor, stop, pastor, stop. You know, and then they'll be dragging some people behind them. His children don't even know he's getting married. They'll bring all of them to the altar, then, you know. No surprises, amen. Yeah, because secrecy and... Secrecy breeds mistrust and suspicion. Secrecy breeds mistrust and suspicion. Yeah. You see, if I feel that I have a certain level of relationship with you and you hide certain things from me, it affects our relationship going forward. Do, do, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So when, when you don't have total openness, anytime something else comes out, it affects the trust in the relationship. Anytime, you know, some of you may not understand it, but for those of us who have who had certain kinds of parents, anytime a new sibling was introduced, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, some people, some of you don't understand, but for those of you who understand that, yeah, I am totally convinced that I have siblings I still don't know. Do, do, do you understand? One day when somebody requires blood and they do blood test or something they need, you know, then they'll come to realize that actually I can give a kidney or I can give something to, you know. But you realize that you always have to prepare yourself for anything new that may come up. Or you don't understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Because if you are not open about it, you know, it will come out eventually. I think that's one of the things that we should understand that there is nothing that can be hidden forever. There is absolutely nothing. You might think that as for this one is totally undercover. You will be surprised from which angle it will appear. Amen. Yeah, you know, I think Reverend shared this thing about the lady who was leading the praise and worship, you know, and she, was, she had always been thought of very highly of her spiritual progress. I mean, like she was of a certain standard beyond which no man can touch, you know. And as she was leading praise and worship, a brother walks into the church and her song just goes east. <laughs> her fear was not that the brother had come in, but her fear was what was about to unfold. Do, do, do you get it? Yeah. Because as the brother walks in, all he needs to is to ask the person by him that, ah, do you guys know this <laughs> young woman? She's <laughs> thinking... Yeah, it's very, very interesting, yeah, you know, and I think one of the things Reverend talked about yesterday was also your openness about your finances. Some people, it's not about your debt, but it's actually about what you have. Do you understand? It's like, if he knows that I have this money, then he will add it to his to-do things, you know, so no, 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 no. So that account, you can change the name of that account to underscore, <laughs> and then keep it, you know. But the openness about finances means openness about it. Whether you have very little, none, minus, or you have a lot, you know, you have to be open because if you don't trust that person in the area of your finances, how are you going to survive in the marriage? Yeah, because money is one of the things that brings a lot of divorce. Do you know that? Yeah. Man, people have divorced spouses because the spouse loses their job. Yeah, it's like, yeah, he can't take care of us. And there's always a strange person on the sideline waiting to make up for that. Do you know that? Yeah, you know. I come, my, my, my father's uh, siblings, they are 45. And those 45, some of them have 21 children. Yeah, recently, I think I talked about it on Thursday, and so when I got I was trying to calculate to see currently if they were to put that family together, where they are at. Do you understand? So the 45, how many children each has? And then all of them, their children now all have children. So like the 21, some of his children have five or six. So
So he alone is producing maybe 200 or whatever. Do you understand? So I'm sure we can clock 1,000. <laughs> oh, you don't understand what I'm saying? From one grandfather, one man, one man, one man. Be fruit, be, that was the scripture in Genesis 1, be fruitful and multiply and replenish them. <laughs> and you see, I think that is some of the questions you should ask. You know, normally, we normally only ask, how many siblings do you have? Do you understand? But I think we should begin to ask, what's the size of your family? Then the person may ask, how far do you want me to go? You mean my uncles or my aunties or my, you know? How many grandparents do I have? I mean, what, do you, what are you asking? Because you will be surprised to find out. That is why, for some people from certain environments, our parents always ask certain questions. Like, where does he come from? Where is she from? You know? Yeah, because my mother always used to say this to us, that you see, you people, if you marry anybody from your father's lineage, the person can easily be your cousin or your... Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you know that normally the hidden children always look like the parent who's hiding it. When the child surfaces, nobody has to say, From whence come at this? Yeah. As soon as you see that, you say, Ah, you look like your father. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then the other one is in terms of reproduction. It says, Be fruitful and multiply. And it's not just talking about sex, but it's talking about as a unit, you must become fruitful. You can't come into a marriage very hardworking, prospering, and by the time you're 10 years into the marriage, you're both very poor. Because maybe one is a parasitic you know, angle. Yeah, so they just swallow everything. And then after a while, the other one to get tired of trying to make money. Say, so let's all live in the poverty. <laughs> and then it become easier. <laughs> you know? But one of the instructions that was given to the man and the woman was that they should be fruitful and multiply. Fruitful, yes, in having children and all that, but fruitful in their life. Their marriage should become fruitful. Their finances should become fruitful. And it's not just be fruitful. It says, and replenish. Because sometimes you can be fruitful, but you're not replenishing. Do you understand? Because when you say replenishing, it means that as that which is going, is going, is being spent, more is coming. Do, do you understand? Yeah, some of us, the love that we go into a marriage age is never replenished. So when that love is finished, <laughs> it's finished, it's finished. Yeah. Yeah. So bearing all those things in mind, I want to say that marriage is based on principles and not on miracles. We tend to, as if it's a Christian marriage, we tend to pray into the marriage and we tend to pray about the marriage. But scripture teaches us that there are things that govern it, just as there are things that govern life. Haven't you realized that when you do certain things, you get certain things, isn't it? If you go on the street now and somebody's sitting in the park, and you go to the person, and you go and insult the person. After a while, you get slapped. <laughs> do, 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 do you get it? Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. After you have opened your mouth wide for a while, you receive a reward for it. You know? So marriage is also the same. They are certain, I don't care what couple they are, what their temperaments are, what level they are at, whatever it is. So long as they have the guiding principles around them, and they try their best to operate within it, they will see the same effect. Amen. Yeah, when you ask some very old men, so what has made you stay in marriage for 50 years, 60 years? You know, they'll say, they'll give you very simple examples, like, my wife is always right. Yeah, 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 so that is why we are still married. <laughs> you know, so yeah. I was I was I was reading somewhere. Some people just come up with all kinds of strange things. So they say that when a woman gets to puberty, she goes through menstruation, isn't it? When she gets to fifty, she goes through menopause. In between the puberty and the menopause, she goes through mental challenges. And you can realize that all of it starts with men. <laughs> <laughs> Menopause, menstruation, men, all of them, the, the men. <laughs> anyway, so if you go through all the principles, you will succeed. 
So the first principle is the fact that you will reap what you sow. Amen. Amen. Yeah, tell somebody that you will reap what you sow. Yeah, whatever you sow into your relationship, you will reap it. Isn't it? Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. After Enoch came out, (laughs) before I just um, trying to be funny. (laughs) The Bible says in Genesis 8, 21, 27, while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. Isn't it? Yeah. Because God decided that, listen, if I, the verse 21 says that, and the Lord smelt a sweet savor, and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite anymore everything living as I have done before. So from now on, sea time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, will never cease, which means that so long as there's seed time, there'll be harvest time. So as you are investing in your marriage, in whatever way, you can heap insults upon your marriage for so long, one day you will reap it. Do, do, do you understand? You can heap kindness over your marriage, one day you will reap it. You can heap respect over your marriage, one day you will reap it. You can re- uh, heap prayer into your marriage, one day you will reap it. Whatever you sow into the marriage, you will reap. Don't sow into it and say, how did the marriage become like that? Do, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. You, you know, anybody who goes through a divorce will tell you that divorce doesn't just happen. Do you understand? It's not instantaneous. You sow, you sow, you sow, and one day you reap it. Yeah. Reverend was telling us yesterday that after uh, 20 years of marriage and things, sometimes people tend to divorce and all that. And then sometimes maybe the husband or whoever has been left behind, like, why has she left? Or oh, why has he left? No, but it's something that has been sowed. You have been sowing and sowing that you are now reaping. Do, do, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So you have to be really careful what you sow into your relationship. Be intentional. Be intentional. Be, listen, those who have certain kind of marriages, you know, there are some people who are so... Um, can I say that? On the, yeah. There are some people who are so sexualized that when they get married, they invest a lot of money in, you know, sexy brass, sexy that. Uh, their marriage is filled with a lot of. I said, I'm, I said, you reap what you sow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you may have a wife, you know, or a husband, or somebody who is always in the kitchen. Do you understand? They'll prepare chicken, they'll prepare lamb, they'll prepare this, they'll prepare this, they'll prepare dessert, they'll prepare cake, they'll prepare this, they'll prepare that, they'll prepare... Well, you shouldn't be surprised one day and say, hey, why have you put on so much weight? Where do you think it came from? You will reap what you sow. Somebody say amen. You will reap what you sow. One day you will locate the chicken in certain parts of the body, you, you, you realize, you will realize, you realize that the potatoes and rice are sitting safely somewhere. You will reap what you sow. So you cannot say that, how come? When did this happen? It happened as you kept. Yeah. Some... some yeah, I, I remember in London, we used to have this lady in the church. She said first thing in the morning, she needs to have cassava pounded before she can go to work. Otherwise, she can't focus. And, she, no, and you see, she didn't want anything being done on the stove. She needed a mortar and a stick to pound because she said that whole process engages her. So, yeah, so while somebody is having one slice of seeded toasted bread, with <laughs> organic <laughs> somebody is <laughs> somebody is also having cow food which has been cooked for four hours wait <laughs> you tell somebody about you you reap what you sow 
You reap what you sow. 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 Yeah. It's the same. If you, if you are always telling your children, you are clever, you are clever, you are clever, you reap it. If you are always telling your children, you're a good child, you're a good child, you're a good child, you know, this was a mistake you did. Don't do it again. You are good. You are good. You are good. You will receive a good child. Yeah. That is why when you keep telling your husband, yeah, I know you are cheating. I know you are cheating. I know you are cheating. I know one day you receive a gift and a package. <laughs> Next one. Marriage is hard work. Tell someone that marriage is hard work. I don't know what books teenagers read now. When I was a teenager, they had Mills and Boone. And um, what was the other one? You see, and those ones, even the cover story was a lie. Where are the horses? Where are the horses? So you realize that you see the guy coming from the sunset, running and coming to catch and then lifting Please. <laughs> Any good relationship is hard work. Any good relationship is hard work. Any marriage that will succeed is hard work. I'm going to read some scriptures from, you know what? Eh? There is one, one thing that laziness is one thing that both God and Satan agree Neither of them will use a lazy person. <laughs> Proverbs 10, the Bible says in verse 4, lazy people are soon poor. Hard workers get rich. So you don't understand why your marriage looks poor. I don't mean poor as in money. But it, it's, it's dried out. Yeah, it's dried out of passion. It's dried out of care. Do, do you understand? Yeah, because it's work. You have to put the care in. You have to put the love in. Yeah. Proverbs 12, 24, the Bible says, work hard and you become a leader. Be lazy and you become a slave. <laughs> you see, when you read the King James, you say slothful and things. That you people think it's new. You see, it's, it's a, that's why I'm reading NLT so that you understand what is a go to the slugger. No, 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 no. Go to the lazy person. Proverbs 13, 4, the Bible says, lazy people want a lot but get little. But those who work hard will prosper. Yeah, that is why when you are even dating and the person is always, you know, one day I'm going to make you a millionaire. One day, you know, one day I'm going to buy you a, a mini jet. One day you're going to, do you like the Bentley or the Rolls Royce? What do you prefer? I see you in a black one with cream leather. See, you have to tell the person, shut up. <laughs> and ask the person, where's your CV? And ask the person, how much do you currently earn? And stop talking about yeah, it says that lazy people, they want a lot. They want, they, but they get nothing. Yeah, they get, they get nothing. <laughs> but those who work hard will prosper. Yeah. You know, Reverend was telling us that when he exposed Kiran and told Kiran that, you see, all the rappers, the musicians and things who have prospered, look at their CV. See that they are not jokers. Yeah. Recently, there was a tennis, young tennis player, very great aspiration. I mean, he had great potential. But you realize that he can come for the, uh, whether it's Australian Open, whatever, and then he plays the first, this thing, then he gets upset, or he's like, he won't play again. Then he has left. Then we see him in the summer, he'll come to Wimbledon. I was like, this boy is not serious. He's not going, for yeah. After a while, nothing becomes of you. Then you will find the Roger Federer and things. Now, they say that they don't know whether they should put a limit to the age at which you can play. Because that man, if you keep, one day he'll be 52, and then he'll be holding that thing. And you, yeah. you cannot want to prosper and be lazy. You cannot have this falutin idea of the marriage and be lazy. Yeah. You know, if you're a young woman and you are very career-driven, you must realize that too, for you to maintain your career-driven anointing, when you marry, you must work double hard because your career can never be used to replace your marriage. So if you want your marriage to work and your career to work, it means you have to work harder. 
Yeah, you can't see, come home and be telling your husband that, you know me, I don't have time for these kind of domestic things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never bring the world system into your marriage. Marriage is instituted by God. And that is why when the world tries to adjust it, it doesn't work. There is a reason why God has put it the way it, he has put it. If you want a successful marriage, you have to work hard at it. Nobody even employs you. When you employ somebody and after a few weeks you realize that they are lazy, what do you do? You call them into the office. And if you're a kind person, you give them first warning. If you're a really kind person, give them two. The third one, you don't come. You let HR come and talk to them. Proverbs 18.9. A lazy person is as bad as someone who destroys things. So what the scripture is saying is that laziness is almost like just destroying the thing. So you, even though your intention may not be to destroy it, but your laziness will cause the thing to destroy Yes. You can't marry somebody's son and then breakfast, he has to eat biscuit. Lunch, he has to eat biscuit. Dinner, he has to eat biscuit. Why? Because I'm tired. I don't feel like quitting. I can't be bothered. I, I can't be. Hey. You cannot. Laziness will cause distraction. Yeah. I know that you are somebody who always has a lot of jokes. You're a funny guy to be around. But you see, your wife is not going to eat jokes. Then she will go to work and work 14 hours. And then as she's walking into the house, as, as she's walking into the house, then you are trying to uh, crack jokes. Oh, my cutie pie. Please. We don't use wraps to fill petrol, to fill the car. We do not... We do not use wraps to pay the gas and electric bill. We do not use wraps to pay rent. We do not. And definitely, tongues is not a currency at Empower. At Empower. Empower does not accept tongues. Empower. Because some people are hardworking in one area and they are very lazy. That is why sometimes people see their spouse in church and they get irritated because they see how hardworking the spouse is in church. And it's like, God, can he bring a little bit of this to the house? So you see them all night prayer. They come, they start an hour before. Even when prayer has ended, they'll say, oh, don't lock up. I, I need to do. The spirit has not lifted off me. May the spirit lift off you so that you can go home quickly and go and finish your job. You see how ridiculous it sounds. Yeah. But it's nothing. It's not anointing. It's laziness. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking for a particular kind of job. I need to have a kind. You know that, you know I have four degrees. I can't settle for less. Listen, when you are married, whatever work you have to do to earn income to take care of the family, you've got to do it. You see, your hard work is even part of your discipline and your teaching of your children. Hey. When your wife is dressing to go to work, say you're looking cute. Make sure nobody says hello to you as you're going. <laughs> Listen to those of us who are not married, take notes so that when you are choosing, you assess all these things. Yeah, because otherwise you, you will find yourself living it. To your own surprise. Yeah. Laziness destroys things. It destroys relationships. For a good relationship to remain a good one, it's hard work. Never camouflage it with things or with any issues at all. Yeah, sometimes, see, when you have a young marriage, sometimes even if it means doing two jobs, do it. Do it. Because as you mature, certain things you must destroy. This kind of PlayStation and do you understand? You are, you are 31 and then you are playing um, uh, <laughs> and, and then your, your, your wife is even saying, oh, dinner is ready. You're like, put it there, put it there, put it there, put it there. I, I am winning. I am winning. What are you winning? Do you know what they win? They'll give them stars in the air. <laughs> 
Nobody sends you 10 pounds. Nobody sends you 10. Then you say, I'm on level 24. It is laziness. It is idleness. Lord, deliver. Deliver, Lord. Deliver. Deliver. Deliver, oh Lord. Deliver us. Deliver. And that is why you can see it from a young age. So you can see a young guy who worked. That's why for me, some of the young guys in this church, I'm so proud of them. Because at their age, and the effort they make, and the, you know, it tells something. That they'll work till 10 p.m. They'll work. Please. That is the kind of person you want to be following. Yeah, don't get excited when he goes and then he comes and says, I got to level. Then you give him high five. That's my boy. Really? (laughs) 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 Oh, my time is up. I don't know what to do. Have a certain attitude. Yeah. Have a, there, for those of us who are not yet in a relationship, when you're thinking, if you're a guy, you're about to go into it, think about it. Think about whether even you, you are ready and prepared for it. And think whether you are ready to let go and to, you know, forgo certain things. If you are a young lady, think about Don't just think about the excitement of the wedding guy and all that. Think about whether you are ready to make that level of sacrifice. Do you understand? Yes, because once you marry somebody's son, you can't put him on hunger strike at all. Do do, do you understand? Otherwise, leave him alone in his mother's house. He was eating fine till you came. Mm -hmm. The thing is that some of the brothers don't realize that when they're dating, the food is coming from the mother-in-law. They don't know. Because by the time they get to a flat, the food is on it. They say, it looked as if she had just finished cooking. <laughs> you know, and when the mother says that she wants to dish the food into nice bowls, she's like, no, no, no. The pot you cooked in, bring it. Then she puts the pot on her stove. <laughs> so you don't understand why when you are married and you're like, oh, let's move to Sheffield. And she's like, no, we are staying late. <laughs> Recognize the next one. Recognize the last one. We have to go. Recognize the stages of distraction. Recognize the stages. See, for some of us, even we can use that to assess when we are backsliding as Christians. Because Ecclesiastes 9, the Bible says in verse 9, live happily with the woman you love through all the meaningless days of life that God has given you under the sun. The wife God gives you is your reward for all your earthly toil. Whatever you do, do well. For when you go to the grave, there will be no work, no planning, no knowledge, no wisdom. Amen. The wife God gives you is your reward for your earthly toil. The husband God gives you is your reward for your earthly toil. The partner God gives you is your reward. And he says, live happily. One of the things when you study scripture, I realize that anything that is being emphasized or anything that is being instructed tells you that it means that it doesn't just naturally come. That's why you are being asked. That's why nobody says breathe. The only time you hear that instruction being given means you're struggling to breathe. Otherwise, we don't have that conversation. Oxygen is coming. Open your nostrils. Oxygen is coming. Nobody does that. Do you understand? So when the scripture is instructing us that live happily with the wife, it means that the happiness is not accidental. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the living itself is not accidental because there are some stages of distraction that if you are not careful, it will catch you unawares on your blind side. Yeah. So you realize that the very obvious stage that a lot of the time we enjoy and we go through nicely is the honeymoon stage. 
Yeah, and the honeymoon stage is biblical. In fact, scripture says that when a man has married, he should be exempted from work for one year. That he will make his wife happy. Yeah, Deuteronomy, I think, 24, 5, 5. He says that, yeah, when a man has, has married a wife for one year, his only focus is to bring joy to his wife for 365 days. Yeah, Deuteronomy 24, 5. A newly married man must not be drafted into the army or be given any other official responsibilities. He must be free to spend one year at home bringing happiness to the wife he has married. Amen. So when you are taking time off for your wedding, give this scripture to your boss. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that after this 360, for some people it's not 365 days, for some people it's about 10 days, for some people it's 4 days, then the honeymoon period is over. You know, but what you have to realize is that after the honeymoon period, the reality of life and marriage sets in. And people who are easily excited easily get bored with the normal, normal life and the reality because they are expecting the rest of the marriage to be like the honeymoon. Yeah, but I mean, no man even has strength to be bringing joy to his wife 365 days for, for, 50, for 50 years. Do you understand? At a point, even the doctor will say, your pressure does not come to do. <laughs> People struggle mostly during that reality stage. Because the reality stage, you realize that this person is very untidy. The reality stage, you realize that all the food was not made by her. It was made by her house. Her housemate. That the house... And you'll be wondering, why didn't I marry her? <laughs> why did I marry her? Yeah. You realize that you come to that reality that she really, really doesn't like bathing. He, 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 yeah. You come to realize that he can have the same socks or the same, he can have it on you can, you can, you, you can, you, 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 you know. When you touch his skin, you can literally collect dirt of the skin. That is the reality stage. Now you are living. Now you are living. You will realize that, yeah, you look at his toothbrush and you are like, man. come to, you know, and actually those melancholic people, then they come and then they realize that books are not put away. Pots are not put away. Glass, and what will begin to irritate you is the fact that the first glass has a quarter of juice. The second glass has half. The other glass, <laughs> yeah, so you see the orange juice, the apple juice, the water, and they're there, and your blood is boiling. And he's sitting there, he's like, ah, marriage is sweet. <laughs> what you don't realize is that gradually you get into a very critical stage where you become a critic and you criticize everything. And because you're already boiling and you're getting more and more irritated. So everything, you have something to say about it. And you are so unconscious of it it, it just becomes normalized. Do you understand? Hey, so today too, you didn't bath. No, I didn't bath. <laughs> so today too, we are having bread and water. Yes, we are having. You can sprinkle some sugar on your bread. We are having. Yeah. That, you know, and sometimes you, the, the brother will go to another friend's house or they'll meet up to go and watch football and the friend will be like, oh gosh, my wife is overfeeding me. I mean, now I don't even know. And when she cooks and I don't eat, I feel that she feels bad, so I, I always have to eat. And then you're like, isn't it amazing what this woman do? <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. And then you see a young sister, she go and meet her friend, her close friend that they're both married. And her friend will be like, oh, my husband, he keeps spoiling me. Now he's even telling me that if I don't want to work, I should stop. And I'm like, no, you don't have to work. And you, two, you are thinking of the fact that yesterday morning you had to give your husband a tenner. <laughs> uh, yeah, that is the reality. Reality sets in. Reality sets in. Yeah, you can't tell your husband that, oh, our council tax bill has come. Then you ask him, what is that? Mm. Yeah, you, you, you. And you see, that criticism also grows before you realize whether verbally or whatever, they become, the house becomes like a fighting, there's a fighting mood. Yeah, you're just ready to pounce. You're just re- you're looking for something else to pounce on, you know. And you see, when that fighting stage gets and it's like you're a Christian, I don't even want to fight anymore. Do you know what they do? Then they just begin to avoid each other to prevent us from fighting. When this one comes, they turn this way. When this one comes, they turn this way. And then this one hears the other one in the kitchen. Don't come. Till the other one leaves the kitchen, then they'll come and then they do their thing and they go. And if the wife is a true Christian, she'll cook and then she'll put their food there and then he'll watch. And then when she's not there, he'll come and then he'll eat and make sure he washes the plate and then he'll go. But what you don't realize is that you're walking yourself straight into a divorce. You're walking yourself straight. You're walking yourself straight. Yeah. Because you can only avoid each other for so long. Yeah. Some people even go to the step of separating within the house. So one is sleeping in this room, one is sleeping, one is sleeping in the hall, one is sleeping wherever in the bedroom. Sometimes they both stay away from the bedroom because the bedroom just reminds them of that person that they don't even want to see or whatever. Yeah. And for some people, they will literally move out of their marital home. When you get married and you're having challenges with your spouse, don't move out of your marital home. Do not, do not, do not. Don't move out. I don't know who gives us that advice. We need space. You need what space? The Bible has already told you that the two have become one. So if you are moving, that's why I, I, a pastor was preaching. He said that one day he came into the bedroom, the wife was packing. He said, I'm leaving, I'm leaving, I'm leaving. Then he said, ah. he said I'm fed up. Then he just went, got a small suitcase, started packing. He said, wherever you're going, I'm going with you. <laughs> Let's rise up onto our feet, please. <laughs> Guard your relationship. Guard your marriage. 